helping you spot a good leader. Pastor Xavier Reese with the simple truth. Listen, real basic. There are bad dentists. There are good dentists. There are bad mechanics. There are good mechanics. There are bad preachers. Good preachers. There are abusive leaders. Good leaders. You've got to know the Word of God so you can know which is which. Don't categorize them all the same. Very important. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. I'm sure you've heard it said you are to be submissive to your leaders. Well, what happens when you decide to act contrary to what God has established? Today, as he comes to the conclusion of his study series of the book of Hebrews, Pastor Xavier explains the importance of biblical submission to walking in the Spirit as he presents the simple truths of God's plan for leadership. Let's listen. Some people have a very warped sense of church authority and leadership, perhaps because some have been exposed to bad or abusive leaders. But if their eyes are not on Jesus, then they'll put everybody in the same category in church leadership, which is wrong. And through their bitterness... They will taint others and be a disservice to the church. Listen, listen, real basic. There are bad dentists. There are good dentists. There are bad mechanics. There are good mechanics. There are bad preachers. Good preachers. There are abusive leaders. Good leaders. You've got to know the word of God so you can know which is which. Don't categorize them all the same. Very important. You recall Paul the Apostle telling the Corinthians uh, as he was disputing for his apostleship, they were slandering him and everything else. And um, in 2 Corinthians 12, 14 through 15, listen, he says, Now, for the third time I am ready to come to you, and I will not be burdensome to you. For I do not seek yours, but you. For the children ought not to lay up for the parents, but the parents for the children. And I will very gladly spend and be spent for your souls, though the more abundantly I love you, the less I be loved. Parents, you know what I'm talking about here? Do you know what he's saying? Oh, my daddy just wants to make my life miserable. You're making the same because you love him. He's got brain damage right now. He doesn't know that. (laughs) That's how God's people are, often towards good, godly leadership. You know why? Because we are rebellious. We are self-will. We're like spoiled little kids. We want our rattle, and we want it right now. Oh, how many churches I've seen disrupted severely and divided in the 30 years that I've been a Christian because of some carnal, self-will person or group of people. God will hold each of us accountable for what we do in the work of God, in the church of God, for good or for evil. No one escapes. And so we are dealt with severely through the scriptures on leadership, Throughout the Bible, this is how he finishes this epistle. Chapter 11, the chapter of faith. 12, chapter of hope. 13, chapter of love. Faith, hope, and love. The greatest of this is love. That's how he finishes. In fact, chapter 13, verse 1 through 6, you have the proper perspective and practice of love outside the church body. Verse 1, love for the believer. Verse 2, love for the stranger. Verse 3, love for believers in prison. Verse 4, love for one's mate. 
Verse 5, love for the believer for things. We have to be careful of things, right? Verse 6, love for a pure conscience. Then, beginning verse 7 to 17, he gives us the proper perspective and practice for love inside the church body. Verse 7, love for the leaders in heaven, those who have died and they've been good examples. Verse 8, the loving example. Verse 9, love for the truth. Verse 10 through 14, the love of the sufficiency of the sacrifice of Jesus. And verse 15 through 16, the love of praise, of thanks by our lips and compassionate sharing with others. And verse 17, the love of obedience for leadership with a proper perspective. And so the command to obey the leaders of the church is characterized by the following here in verse 17. Let me read the verse. He says, Obey those who have the rule over you, and be submissive, for they watch out for your souls as those who must give an account. Let them do so with joy and not with grief, for that would be unprofitable for you. The command to obey the leaders of the church is characterized, first of all, by the uncompromising exhortation in the first portion. Secondly, by the uncompromising administration. And then thirdly, the uncompromising acquisition. One, two, three. What a way to finish this epistle with the authority that God has vested to the church through the men in a scriptural and honorable way. First, the uncompromising exhortation. Listen to the words. Obey those who have the rule over you and be submissive. The command is a call to change their minds. One word, obey. Obedience is the foundation of the Christian life. In fact, obedience is the evidence of a true loving son and daughter. You as a parent, if your sons and daughters obey you, that's the greatest thing, right? The same with spiritual children. The command is an imperative, by the way. Obey. It's not a suggestion. Some people read the imperative commands in Scripture as well as this one, thinking that they're suggestions. Worse yet, they think that they are the exception to the rule. Well, this applies to everybody, but I'm a little bit above everybody, or I know better, or I'm the exception. You probably aren't the exception. <laughs> but it's funny how we think, huh? Notice this command is due to their ability to do so. Very important. Basic, but important. They're Christians. They have been born again. They have the Spirit of God in them. Throughout the epistle, he's talking to Christians. He's warned, don't go back to the temple. They had the mind of Christ, as 1 Corinthians 2.16 says we have. The problem is, not that we don't have it, we have the mind of Christ. You know what the problem is? Philippians 2, we don't put it on. <laughs> Let this mind be in you which is in Christ Jesus. What is it? He humbled himself. He was a servant. He wasn't puffed up. The word obey in our text here means to be persuaded, to induce one by words to believe of its correctness and profitableness. Reading the command, reading the imperative, whatever it may be, and saying, you know what? You are right, God. This is the best thing for me and for the body. This is right. This is correct. I may not feel like doing it, but it's correct according to the scriptures. In fact, the word is translated trust, persuade, confidence, and obey. Four times it's translated like this. Obey. Notice the command is to be Rendered to those 
over them. Those who rule over you. These were the men of the church who God had called, anointed, and raised up. So it's not submission to anybody. The word rule means those who are leaders and elders in the church. The leaders who had died and have gone to the Lord as good examples, they were to be an encouragement to them of their example in verse 7. He's already dealt with them. Now when he comes to verse 17, he's dealing with those who are alive and present among them. They were to stop resisting those who rule over them. These Hebrew Christians were resisting the leaders by wanting to return to the law, to the animal sacrifices. That's the whole theme of the, of the book. Stick with Jesus. The command was due to the sin nature that's still in Christians. You must understand that as a Christian, you still have a sin nature, and so do I, okay? Men and women who are born again can walk in the spirit, but they can also walk in the flesh. It's a choice, by the way. Romans 7, Paul says, that that I don't want to do, I end up doing. That that I don't end up doing, I don't want to do. Oh, wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from this body of death? Romans 7 is not the warfare as many teach. Romans 7, by the cry, oh, wretched man that I am, who is the frustration is I don't want to do this, but I do it. Why? Because autobiographical. Paul believed he could still do it in his own might. And he came to the end of himself, so he has to move into chapter 8, life in the spirit. You don't have to walk in the flesh, but you can. I don't have to walk in the flesh, but I can. It's a choice. You can't cop out. You've got no excuse. Men and women can be carnal, can't they? Acting like babies. 1 Corinthians 3, 1 through 3, as babes in Christ. Now, when a baby acts like a baby, it's a delight. When a child of eight, nine years old acts like a baby, it's an insult. It's an irritation. In fact, when we tell our child who's 15 years old, quit acting like a baby, it's a reproof. And there are a lot of Christians who are 20 years old, 15 years old, 10 years old, and they're acting like little babies. They want their own sandbox to play. They want their own rules. Men and women through carnal striving can thwart the word of God in their own lives as well as the church. It's a frightful thing. Notice the command is to, put, to be put into action and be submissive. It's great to hear it. It's great to learn. It's great to know. Listen, you've got to put the rubber to the road. <laughs> you've got to be a doer. The word submissive means to resist no longer but to give way, appearing only this time in the New Testament. The implication is clear. There seems to have been a strained relationship even to this point between the leaders and the members of the house church. Some were even meddling with weird doctrines. In verse 9, we won't go through a whole bunch of stuff, but verse 9 it says, Do not be carried away with various strange doctrines. For it is good that the heart be established by grace, not with foods which have not profited those who have been occupied with it. So they're getting carried away with, with weird doctrines. So they were in rebellion. 
not just in regards, regarding the doctrine of Jesus, but weird doctrines, different things. And, and there's this, this uneasiness relationship. And you know how it is with a husband and wife. If, if, if your relationship is football without a helmet, ow, that hurts. It's no way to live. It's no way to have the pulpit and pure relationship. They were not only to be persuaded of the command to obey in their minds, but to carry it out. That's the bottom line. Now, their submission to those in authority would demonstrate what? Their gentle and loving attitude. It's real simple. It's a demonstration of your attitude, your heart. The outcome would bring about what? Unity and harmony for the efficient, effective life of the church body. Listen, people. The whole body is more important than me. You understand? I get cut in my foot. I go to the doctor. I put it off. The doc says, you have gangrene. He says, I have to amputate your foot. Oh, no, no. You don't understand. There's a foot been with me for 53 years. You can't cut it off. I love it. I love it. It's my foot. Well, if I'm so in love with one foot, it'll kill my whole body. You understand? Some people don't get it in the church. We want to do what's edifying for the whole body. We'll take care of you. We'll be compassionate. You need some surgery. We're ready to cut. You understand? Do you think that doctor hates you? Oh, that doctor hates me. What do you do? Oh, he operated. He cut my foot off. Oh, what, what, what happens because of that? I get to live. Oh, he must love you. Interesting. The situation was one that these Hebrew Christians wanted to go back to the laws, you know, the animal sacrifice, the temple. They would be opposing the leaders teaching about the person of Jesus. They would be denying the work of Jesus that the teachers were confirming. They would be encouraging others to oppose the leaders by their example. They would, in effect, be opposing the ultimate leader in authority, Jesus Christ. Why? Because they were unscriptural. You understand? One day, a passenger train was rushing into New York, and another train was emerging. They were on collision course. Fifty lives were lost. An engineer was pinned under the engine, frightfully injured, tears running down his eyes, down his cheeks. In his dying words, he clutched to this piece of paper in his hand. And he says to the man, take this. This will show you that someone gave me the wrong orders. Listen, such will never be the case if you obey the word of God. You may think, oh, that's not good. Oh, that's not right. I don't think that's fair. You obey the word of God. Ten years down the line, five years down the line, five days down the line, you'll say, oh, Lord, thank you that I didn't rebel. Now, someone may give you wrong orders here on earth, but if it's God's word and it's in context and it's within the boundaries, it cannot be wrong. You may think it's wrong. You may feel it's wrong. You may conclude it's wrong, but you're wrong. You understand? You disobey God's word. You add to your own hurt and many, many others in the church, your family. The obedience and submission to leaders that the Bible teaches 
or commands is safeguarded by the fact that all submission is limited, listen, to the scriptures and by the scriptures. Jesus put it this way, Luke eleven forty six. 46. Woe to you also, lawyers, for you load men with burdens hard to bear, and you yourselves do not touch the burdens with your own fingers. And he told the same to the scribes, the Pharisees, and, and you know, they laid all these trips, they abused their authority, their position. And Jesus says, do what they tell you, but don't do as they do, because what they taught was scriptural. And in this context, he's saying the burdens of men, they added to the law and these man-made rules. He says, don't, those are big burdens. I never laid those on you. So Jesus was very aware of the abuse that will take place in his church. But he's the one who's going to deal with it, isn't he? Now, the safeguard is, it's built in. If you know the word of God and a pastor gets off the wall, get up and leave. No pastor has authority to rule over people as a despot, as a dictator in the church over personal affairs. I don't follow you home to see if you're living it. I don't ask you how you make your financial decisions. We don't say, well, you tell us who you're going to marry. No, we don't. That's none of our business. We'll counsel you. We'll give you some direction. We don't rule over your lives. The submission to leaders is to the teaching of the Scripture regarding life, faith, and doctrine. Practice. No person should submit to leaders when it contradicts the Scriptures or goes beyond the Scriptures and the authority of the Scriptures, nor anything that violates your conscience. The Scriptures are the standard. You understand? We never talk to a woman who's in leadership if we have to with some kind of discipline or something without her husband because her husband's her head. We don't dare open ourselves up to some kind of accusation. No. We recognize the authority. Even if the husband's a non-believer, say, can your husband come in with you? Because he's her head. I'm not her head. I'm the pastor here, but I have no authority over her. But if she is in ministry and I have to deal with her in some issue, then I want her husband present. And I have some elders there. Some in authority do carry things to extremes. Uh, in the 70s and early 80s, there was a shepherding doctrine. And um, some of the Shiloh ministries got into this where the pastor, you know, had people under him and he would decide who they married, what they do, and they tithe to this elders. I mean, it gets weird. But I know, God never meant that. Abuses. We have them in Scripture. Korah. Well, I think we should be able to talk to God and not just you and Aaron. Well, I don't know. Let's ask God. 250 people. Boom. Earth opened up. Some people don't care except for themselves, and they carry people out of the church, and they get destroyed. Those people never go anywhere else. They're tainted. They're messed up because they're self-willed, because they think they're right. And God will hold them responsible for messing people up in the church. All obedience of mission, be it to leaders or people, is to be done as unto the Lord. Listen to uh, Paul when he talks to Philemon. Remember, Philemon is a runaway slave. In uh, Philemon 21, there's only one chapter, verse 21, he says, um, having confidence, same word that is used here, in your obedience, I write to you knowing that you will do even more than I say. 
You see, the thing is, Paul acknowledged the obedience of Philemon to restore him out of the love for Jesus. He may not want to, but you know, he says, well, you're right, Paul. The scripture tells me to do this. He has repented. I'll forgive him. I'll embrace him. And he steps up by faith and does it in obedience. Do you just obey God when you feel like it? Do you just obey God and submit to authority just when, when you think that you're, you're wrong? You may think you're right, but you're wrong. I may think I'm right, but I'm wrong. So I need the scriptures to point that out. In obedience, the standard is the words of Jesus. Not all obedience is submission, as well as not all submission is true obedience. Only if you are doing it in the right attitude and as unto the Lord and the standard of scripture does God honor it. People can obey and submit, and inside they're rebellious. They say, I'll get them. (laughs) Well, we all know that. We're all a bunch of creeps. We know. We've been there. Not all obedience or submission is rewarded because God sees the heart. Only what is done out of the motive of love for Jesus and scriptural. Some are great examples until they think they're right. They're the greatest servants. And then you come across something, they're off the wall. You say, you know, I, I think, oh, oh, no, you're not going to lower over. You know, and they just, ping, they, they go off. They go postal. <laughs> now, no one has to submit to the words that come from the pulpit here or any other pulpit. But if you attend whatever church it is, and the teaching is biblical, and the leadership is godly and loving, then why would you not want to submit? Why would you not want to be part of the body? It only demonstrates your own rebelliousness, your own self-will, your own self-appointed authority beyond the scriptures. Anyone involved in leadership in any way is in submission to some elder or leader in this ministry for the sake of authority, policy, and efficiency. But no one lords over anybody. The uncompromising exhortation. What a way to close the epistle. (laughs) Notice, secondly, the uncompromising administration. So he goes from the problem, people, to the leadership. Those appointed. For they watch out for your souls as those who must give an account. The care of the rulers is for the souls of people. Mark that well. For they watch for your souls. The rulers and leaders had a responsibility to be spiritually vigilant. The word watch means to be sleepless, indicating their sober-mindedness over the oversight. It is most interesting to me, as I looked up this word, that three of the four times this word appears in the New Testament, it is directly associated with prayer and the return of Jesus Christ. The fourth time that we find here in our text is also associated with prayer. Notice the very next verse. Paul asked for prayer as a leader to live in good conscience and honorably. That's good. So because he's honorable, because he's obedient to the Lord, then he continues to pray, I want to be living with a good conscience. Pray for me. I'll be watchful. Pretty good, huh? No one can be spiritually vigilant without prayer, particularly leaders. Pastor Xavier Reese and the simple truths of the power source behind successful leadership. 
And as always, you can hear this message again if you like online anytime by selecting today's date at the radio listings link at calvarychapelpasadena.com. There's much more to come next time right here as well. But if your schedule won't permit you to tune in, you can pick up your own copy of this message. The title to ask for is Biblical Submission to Leadership. It's available on CD for only $4. And this is a great way to share with someone in your church or Bible study when you're through as well. So once again, the title to ask for is Biblical Submission to Leadership, or simply mention today's date. You can request your copy by writing Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800 800- 926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And thanks for mentioning the call letters of this station when you get in touch. This helps us track the effectiveness of this ministry in your area. How does biblical leadership impact everyday life? And that's coming up on the next edition of Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. www.calvarychapelpasadena.com 